from Interlochen Center for the Arts. This is with special guest. Tommy Valdez. Before we begin our very first episode, I have a bit of uncomfortable housekeeping to address. What is With Special Guest? Well, With Special Guest is a series based around an idea. And this idea may be familiar to you, and it may be familiar to the thousands of guests who have stepped foot on Interlochen's campus. Painted on the back of the stage of Kresge Auditorium is a phrase dedicated to the promotion of world friendship through the universal language of the arts. It's a mouthful, I know. And in this series, we aim to explore how we, through that universal language, try to improve the world around us. In each episode, we'll bring you highlights from students, faculty, staff, alumni, and friends of Interlochen. And through interviews, performances, and musical interludes, we'll try our best to demonstrate how art transcends and unites all walks of life. It's a lofty goal, but it's not insurmountable. And uh, I want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy with special guest. This is called a bubble scene. Interlochen alumna Jonas Bedell explains while gesturing to the screen behind her. Jana, also known as Our Lady J, had returned Interlochen to workshop scenes with students from our motion picture arts program. Using the anatomy of a scene that she had written for the third season of the Amazon show Transparent as her guide, Jana leads the audience through a flashback. Let's go. It's just a drill. You don't know that. Get up. Come on. Okay, everybody. Get Transparent, which follows the lives of a modern-day Los Angeles-based family as they cope with the news that their middle-aged patriarch is transgender. In the flashback in question, a young Mara, normally portrayed on the show by Jeffrey Tambor, here played by a young Sophia Grace Gianna, is in the midst of an intense family altercation. In the scene, family members find Mara, then known as Mort, playing dress-up with their mother's nightgown inside of their grandfather's atomic bomb shelter. Hayam, Mora's grandfather, does not take the revelation well. What the fuck is wrong with you, Mort? Mom said it was okay. What, you let your little fegula wear a dress? Stop yelling, okay? It's not her fault. Oh, for God's sake. The flashback, Jana explains, fills in a gap. It helps the audience better understand Mara and her late-life self-actualization. The scene is traumatic, it's honest, it's truthful. And that truth comes from authenticity. You see, since season two of Transparent, Jana has served as the only openly trans writer on the critically acclaimed series. And in late 2016, she added the distinction of producer to her credits. 
The scene ends bittersweet, the lights in the hall come back on, and students applaud. Though the scene does not reflect Jonna's personal experience verbatim, it does illustrate what many people in the trans community face day to day. After class, I sat down with Jonna to discuss her life, her time at Interlochen, and how her background as a classically trained pianist morphed into something else, something bigger. This, again, is with special guest. We're joined today by the multifaceted and multi-talented Our Lady J. Um, she is a classically trained musician, writer, and uh, most recently gained a writing producer's uh, status on the Amazon show Transparent. Lady J, thank you for coming. Hi, thanks for having me. So was that an okay introduction? Is yeah, that... all those things sound super fancy. I don't feel that fancy. But yeah, I am a writer producer on Transparent, and I was a classical piano major at Interlochen. Between your work and, you know, people know you from, you have a very strong social presence. And they know you from your writing and from your music and your advocacy. Um, this is a kind of a general question, but what is it like being Lady J? Um, well, I, my name is Jana, and I came up with the name Our Lady J because I was reading um, Our Lady of the Flowers at the time by Jean Genet. And unfortunately, in the music industry, um, there's a lot of work to be done around um, LGBT issues and women's issues as well. Um, uh, it's still a man's world. And so I was noticing when I transitioned, um, I'm a transgender, and when I transitioned, I, I wasn't getting as many gigs. And so I had to incorporate identity politics into my art, whereas um, I, f I feel like ideally I, I would just make art and have it be subversive or have it you know, be a beautiful metaphor for whatever I want to say or a beautiful painting. Um, but I had to be a little more literal than that um, to educate in order to create the opportunities as an artist. And so um, Lady J came from from that, actually, a personality that I had to create in order to educate. I would love to get back to just making, you know, beautiful poetry someday, you know, musical poetry. But right now there's a lot of work to be done um, um, as far as advocacy goes. With, you know, your work, does does performing and, and putting yourself out there, does it come naturally for you? I feel like hustling comes naturally for me. I, you know, I'm from an Amish community, uh, a village of 200 people, and uh, my family are all evangelical Christians. And so, I knew I knew I, as a queer person that I needed to um, go find something else, and um, and piano was the the tool that I had. And so I practiced, and I I knew that it was my key out. It was my way out of Pennsylvania. And um, I had an amazing music teacher, um, Dr. William Bland, who went to the camp at Interlochen. And he, I think he knew that I needed to leave town as well. And so he said, well, here are the, uh, here's the application for the camp, but here's the academy as well. And it really became my saving grace. Um, playing the piano, uh, practicing all those hours really paid off by getting accepted into Interlochen. And the scholarship was a huge deal as well because my family couldn't afford to go to send me off to the school alone. So I say that I'm a hustler because I learned to play the piano because I knew it was my key and it was my expression. And it was also this amazing dissociative tool that I had for growing up in an environment that wasn't um, so healthy. 
And then when I when I moved away, you know, I had a bit more freedom to do other things, um, which included uh, writing and musical theater, and um, I became a singer songwriter. Again, that was out of not. At uh, when I transitioned, I, I stopped getting so many gigs playing the piano. Um, but when I put myself on the stage, um, suddenly I was getting more gigs, and so I knew to, I knew that I needed to create this persona um, in order to escape the trans misogyny that I was facing. And um, eventually, that took me into writing, and here I am. From that, how do you? Uh separate yourself from the persona though how are you able to kind of say this is me and this is what i need to be on stage or this is need to, um, you know, or performing or writing um yeah uh, that's a good question actually and something that i've uh, when i started working with transparent i i dealt with um and i still deal with it's how much of my voice do i put into the work and how much of the community's voice do i put into the work and ultimately i believe that i I need to be of service to my community, and um, so I, I, I listen a lot. I do a lot of listening, and um, I bring that into the work. Um, whereas early on, my first season on the show is very personal, and even the last—I mean, it's all personal. But um, the further I get, the more I'm able to tell stories that aren't just mine, but of, of other people. So I do feel that. I, there is a lot of responsibility for representation um, that I take very seriously. Is there something that you've learned um, about yourself or about your own, you know, like physical form that you might not have considered otherwise? Like having to write things down has what has it taught you about yourself? Um, well, I think music versus screenwriting is very different in that way. Whereas uh, for piano, I can you know get lost in a Debussy and enter that world of French Impressionism. And it's it's not about me, it's about like exploring this beautiful, um, this beautiful landscape. And um, with screenwriting, it becomes um, kind of the opposite where I go into my world and explore my mind um, and create a world that is based on my perception of things. Um, so as a performer, you're perceiving someone else's perception. And as a writer, you're creating the perception for others to perceive. Um, and so that's been an interesting switch um, that I, I enjoy both sides of. And, and I still play the piano a lot, you know, because sometimes I need to get out of my own mind. We all need to get out of our own minds. And you play a lot at home. From I do, yeah. And I still tour um, on hiatus. Um, when uh, with Transparent, we were in production and writing uh, about seven months out of the year. So I have five months that I have time for some touring. Uh, as an alum of Interlock and, and uh, you know, we follow you on social and, you know, we're de- definitely um, enjoy you know, being the drum for you and things like that and promoting your work. And Thank you. But also we have an insight to your personal life. And so you <laughs> so you have a dog. Correct. I have a dog, Liberace, who I miss. <laughs> and and uh, Liberace is out, out west, I'm assuming, right now and being taken care of. Liberace is with a friend of mine, yeah. Um, he just peed on my friend's couch, which I feel a little bad about. <laughs> He's a nervous peer. You can't excite him too much or he turns over and just pees. <laughs> 
it's, you got to just, you know, work out the, some of those tensions and, you know, like you're eventually, yeah. you know, you got to just. We, he, he was a rescue dog and he had a rough life. Um, he's around five and I adopted him in May. Um, so he's just new to, he went from the streets of Hollywood to the Hollywood Hills. And so sometimes you have to approach him very gently. Um, when it's time to go outside, you can't get all excited. You have to just calmly hold him and put his leash on and, or his collar and take him out. Otherwise, he'll spray all over you. <laughs> the, uh, from growing up on a farm or in the farm community, I'm sure you're probably well experienced working with animals so probably just it's true i've i've dealt with animal urine before <laughs> and manure actually one of the reasons i practiced piano was because i got out of my farm chores when i practiced the piano so um my chore was to shovel the cow manure every day um when i would come home from school and the only way out of that was when i played piano and i i really think that's why i got good at piano because I hated shoveling Calmanor. It's amazing. The uh, the other thing I noticed from your Instagram account was um, a great uh, Halloween costume. You were Barb from oh, Stranger yeah. Things. Thanks. So you obviously enjoy, you know, ad, uh, something a little bit nerdy, right? I'm a total so, nerd. So what are some of the, uh, n- you know, things you do in your downtime and what are some of the nerdy things you enjoy? Well, I just got braces, which is super nerdy. <laughs> and that's why I became, that's why I was Barb, because I have the Barb glasses and the Barb haircut and the Barb braces, so it all just made sense. I was like, well, I kind of am Barb. I just added freckles. Um, other nerdy things, too, I love I love sci-fi. I'm a sci-fi geek. I'm a Whovian. I love Doctor Who. I don't know. Drag is kind of nerdy, too. I feel like... The drag world, it's like all these creative people are coming together to create this fantasy. It's like a, another version of like Comic-Con almost. Um, there's even DragCon now, um, RuPaul's DragCon, which I go to every year. So does that count as a nerdy thing? I think so, <laughs> especially... Actually, I, another thing that I'm really into is virtual reality. Mm. I just, I, I need to get the Oculus, but I have the Samsung Gear VR. And um, I'm writing a virtual reality piece, actually, because uh, there really isn't much con- original content in virtual reality for as big as uh, possibilities uh, as there are. I mean, there's so much possibility. It's like the Wild West right now in virtual reality, where we don't really know how to write for it. Um, so that's part of the challenge. Um, so I got a, a VR set to play with in order to really get that inside my head. It's like taking acid, though. Once once you experience virtual reality, it's like, oh, everything is different. <laughs> the one thing that I actually really appreciate about some of you know your work in terms of what you've been doing is that there seems to be kind of this this fluidity between genres and between your work. You're you're not tied to one thing, and it, it's very nice. And when you approach like a project like Transparent or some of your the music you've created, are you looking to find unalike objects and bring them together or is there kind of like how do we because they exist they can naturally ebb and flow together in some way how do you create original content and and approach well i'm not that meticulous about things i'm more just like a 
a crazy person running around looking for instruments to play and drums to beat on and, you know, kind of like raging and, um, you know, screaming uh, like this primal scream and looking for ways to be heard. And as a trans artist, that's it's that informs where I can go and spaces that I can enter and and also it informs what I have to say. And so right now, um, you know, TV is a, lands- is, is a landscape that is more open um, to trans voices and to women's voices. And even though, you know, there's a lot of frustration um, behind representation of people of color, of women, of trans people, it's a lot better than the music industry. And, you know, I would love to, to do that as well, but it's still a man's world. And so I'm not really... I don't really have this great master plan of like where I go and what mediums I work in. It's just a matter of trying everything and whatever fits, fits. With uh, RuPaul's recent Emmy win for her mm-hmm. work on her show, RuPaul's Drag Race, and obviously uh, Jill Soloway and your team at Transparent has received um, some very appropriate and and deserved accolades over the Mm. last few years. Um, What is kind of the next step for recognition in terms of uh, minority populations, trans, LGBT populations? Like, is there Mm. a natural step that you would like to see in terms of how things are credited and maybe evolve over time? Well, um, there's a little bit of tokenization that's happening right now in Hollywood, which, you know, is better than nothing at all, if I'm going to be honest. It's not ideal. Um, you know, I get a lot of scripts sent to me that are, how do we make this trans character trans? And I'm like, well, that's, that's actually not a thing. It's either trans or it's not. And right now the way it's written is a cis person, but you're saying that they're trans, so that's not the experience. So I think um, ideally is what, would, what we need more is of what Jill Soloway has been doing, which is to hire trans people behind the scenes and LGBT people behind the scenes. They're at transparent. You know, I'm, I'm the only trans writer, but we also have trans people in costume. We have um, grips. We have camera operators. We have in every department trans people. So the show is really the first show that is made by trans people about um, with trans content. And so I think we need more of that. We need um, more people um, being not just the face, but the voice. When you approach a show like this, though, is there, what is the level of uncomfortableness you can allow an audience person to feel before you start alienating them? Like, how would you ride that line? Well, I think for me as, as a humanitarian, like, I need to acknowledge that there's systemic sexism misogyny, transphobia, racism, um, the list is endless. Like, it's systemic. So whether you are woke or not um, is just where you're at in your path. And um, to not criticize people who have not been, uh, who have not awoken to their own prejudices. Um, But I think to, to to deliver a message to the audience with compassion, I, I think, is, is what I always have in mind. And I, I say that because of my own family. And, um, you know, I'm a hillbilly. And I certainly have had my own prejudices um, that I grew up with. And I think that's what art is for, you know. It's, it's to reach outside your own perspective and, 
see the world through someone else's eyes and hopefully become enlightened. And I think anytime you proselytize as a writer um, in a way that is judgmental um, or um, hypercritical, that you alienate an audience from actually receiving an enlightenment around the subject that you're dealing with. One of the uh, concepts that I enjoy in art, and I think that I see quite a bit here at Interlochen, is this idea that you don't begin living your life until you're at the edge of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You really have to be on that edge. And Transparent definitely came on that edge. Mm. So for you, what is the next edge that you want to start undertaking in terms of your work and saying, let's push the boundaries and the envelope? And what is the next threshold for you, though, in terms of your career? Yeah, I am. I'm writing a pilot right now. Um I don't want to talk about it too much, um, but it, it is, it's about my background um, in the Amish community and queerness. And I think exploring, um, right now, you know, we've, we've ghettoized queerness quite a bit where it's like this intellectual, liberal viewpoint of what queerness is. And we have yet to really explore what the other side is the people who who don't have the same education systems as the far left. And so conservatism and queerness is something that I'm really excited about and um, something that I know really well as well. And so that's what I want to explore the humanity there. That is actually, that's a, that's a perfect answer, I think, what you've said, because you know, it is something where when you start unfolding some of these marginalized groups, you find out that they mm-hmm. are not a pastiche. They are mm-hmm. not uh, this collective. They are components of different groups and they have different mm-hmm. identities and different thoughts. And exploring those, I think, will help bring light to some of those issues. And, you know, in terms of how you do you approach this, are there books or TV shows or movies that you've seen recently or grew up with that help you kind of pull some of these um, stories or narratives or help you um, what do you enjoy in terms of consuming media-wise? Um, you know, I'm just a sucker for like entertainment um, that makes me that changes my opinion after I'm entertained. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, uh, I really I don't know. I and I and I love everything. I am a consumer. I really watch everything, everything. <laughs> And as soon as I started writing TV, I was like, oh, I have an excuse to watch every television program. I'm not a huge fan of reality, although I see its place. Um, and, you know, I've been on RuPaul's Drag Race um, twice, and I love that show. That's about the only reality show I watch. But everything else, you know, I love drama, sci-fi, comedy, sketch comedy, half-hour comedy, um, hour-long drama, thrillers. I love Homeland strangely. It's so exciting. <laughs> you know, one of the things um, you and I discussed before was um, musical theater, you know. And uh, musical theater, yeah. yes. I love a Broadway show. And you, um, and some of your fellow alumni, so mm-hmm. you know, Michael Arden would be a good yeah. example of that, is getting ready to do, uh, to bring back uh, Broadway production next year, and he's working on a play now. Um, do you have any kind of aspirations to kind of return to that world in terms of like writing your own music or production, or is that a foray that you're interested in? Yeah, I mean, I collaborated with Michael on Spring Awakening when it was in LA. Um, I helped with some of the music behind the scenes, and um, I, I guess I could I could say that my pilot that I'm working on is a musical um, television show. 
So yes, a very strong yes to future musical collaborations. Now, uh, so we're going to wrap up here in a, in a moment, and I, and I thought I would kind of ask you this question about just in general. I mean, you, you were here working with um, our students on Interlochen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as you're working with students from Interlochen Arts Academy and, and you're meeting these young artists, do you feel optimistic about their future in the world of art? I do. I th- I, I'm optimistic, and I also think that they're going to have a unique challenge. Um, in the world of art, but I think they're going to have a unique job of sorting through propaganda um, in order to find um, authenticity and um, in a way that we've taken authenticity for granted, you know, um, where that has been kind of at the forefront of a liberal society. Um, they're going to have an even greater challenge of finding that authenticity and subverting it. Um, through their art in order to get it made. So I'm optimistic because I think, you know, we're always moving forward as a society, even though it feels like we've moved backwards, you know. And and, and, and so they have, the resources are going to be there and uh, the how-tos um, will be there. And it's just a matter of finding a creative way to get it done. Now, uh, last question would be, um, before you leave Interlochen, as an alumna, what is there anything that you want to do before you, before you fly back home? Well, I was at the scholar shop shopping just now, and I want to go back because I didn't finish. Um, I want to get some more Christmas ornaments <laughs> oh. and gifts. Um, I've been on a group thread with some other alumni, and um, texting them photos and making them jealous of my time here. Um, so I just want to like bring home as much interlocking as I can. Well, I'll make sure to take you back over there before we leave. Thank you. All right. Uh, John, I'm happy to talk to you and I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. That again was interlocking alumna, Jonas Bedell. And if you're wondering, yes, she made it back to the scholar shop. You can find a photo of her with her interlocking ornaments in her show notes. Seasons one through four of Transparent are now available via Amazon Prime Video. Next up is a bit of nonsense, and you'll see what I mean in just a moment. Twas Brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the burrow groves, and the moam rasps outgrabe. Beware the jabberwock, my son, the jaws that bite, the claws that catch. Beware the jubjub bird, and shun the frumious bandersnatch. He took his vorpal sword in hand, long time the maxim foe he sought. So rested he by the tum-tum tree, and stood a while in thought. And as in uffish thought he stood, the jabberwock with eyes of flame came whiffling through the tolgy wood, and burbled as it came. One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snicker-snack. He left it dead, and with its head, he went galumphing back. And hast thou slain the jabberwock? Come to my arms, my beamish boy. O frabjous day, Kalu, Calais, he chortled in his joy. Twas Brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe. All mimsy were the burrow groves, and the moam rasps outgrabe. That was current Interlochen Arts Academy student Cookie Dutch performing Lewis Carroll's Jabberwocky, recorded live in Corson Auditorium in February of 2017. 
with special guest is produced by me, Tommy Valdez, and by Melissa Luby. Music for the series was created by Interlochen alumnus Daniel McGee. You can learn more about this podcast series at interlochen.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>